a surprise. Chicago was opening up. My name was rising. It felt like the right people was hearing my music at the right time. It was love, as far as I could see. But I can honestly say I wasn't surprised. Late nights recording in random places like warehouse, a couple of my friends' apartment, shit, wherever I was allowed to be loud. Nice wasn't always good. But hey, I never complained. Shit, I embraced it. Yo, 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 man. Shout out to Boo Man Forever for that intro. Today we got a, a good one, man. We got a retake, but it's a good one. Hey. Shout out to the gods hey. from uh, 1937 group in the building with me. What's up, what's up? What's up, man? We got my man Alex over here, Ambrose. He's rolling up a backwood over here patiently. What's up with y'all, man? First of all, first of all, real quick, I want to apologize for the last time losing the episode. I'm grateful you guys understood and came back and gave me an opportunity to redeem myself. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good, man. We uh, we don't have no problem coming out, you know, chopping it up, smoking some good draw with you, man. Yeah, much love, man. Yes, sir. So, man, shout Congratulations on getting your dispensary up, right? Yeah, yeah. The Hill and Bus. Parkway Dispensary out, you know, the we out now. Come holler at us. The flower ball finally went down. Flower ball went down, you know, we we, we doing our thing out here, uh, but we, we still going. Yeah. So for everybody that don't know about you, give them a little small introduction before we get deeper into this conversation about what you guys are doing, man. Yeah, so, you know, uh, this, you know this is Ambrose Jackson, uh, CEO of 1937 Group. Uh, got my uh, partner Alex here, our chief strategy officer, and you know, 1937 Group. You know, we just you know a cannabis company that focuses on the culture, doing things the right way. Uh, vertically integrated here in Illinois. You know, at some point, you know, we, we might have some some tentacles outside of Illinois, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, we got three kind of pillars within uh, what we do. So one is cannabis uh, on the cannabis operator side cultivation, retail, transport. Uh, outside of that, you know, we have a company, KVL International, which which deals with brand uh, development and event production. Um, and then lastly, we have our, our impact arm, the 1937 Foundation. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're really excited to get things going on, on that side a little bit more. So how do you guys all start for you guys, man, with this journey? Four years ago, five years ago, I mean, when did we <laughs> Applica well, well, applications, I think, uh, you know, we started that in like 2019. Yeah, I mean, you know, it started with being vilified and, you know, stigmatized for fucking smoking weed or selling weed or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying, we did for, for you know, way back in the day, um, you know, just, just dealing with that and uh, finding our way just like anybody and everybody. Um, and then just fast forward 2018, Illinois starts talking about a social mm -hmm. equity program, adult use, and um, and yeah, just looking at their uh, the criteria for social equity, it's like, hey, you know, what I'm saying I've been arrested for weed before. Let me yeah. let me go ahead and put my hat in this ring and see what the fuck I can do, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So going through that, man, dealing with the shit that we got growing up, getting arrested for weed and shit. Now it's fucking recreational medical use. And, you know, and as far as like closing doors and opening doors, do you feel like going through your, your journey that you had a lot of closed doors that you couldn't open? What do you like? Like, there, there like was, what do you mean? Because like, honestly, like, I feel like and the cannabis us, can, with, with yeah. our community, with, with you know, our people, like. Yeah, every door is closed, or you know what I'm saying. Bust that bitch open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's bur- there's hurdles and barriers put in front of us at every turn with everything, you know, in every industry. So, you know, say a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like being an independent and a distri- uh, trying to become a dis- distributor or a uh, dispensary here in Chicago or in Illinois, uh-huh, uh-huh. like the like the hurdles you guys encountered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so as I- far as being a smaller yeah. dispensary. Instead of a, one of these big corporations, dispensaries, I'm pretty sure like they didn't have to deal with challenges like you guys had to deal with challenges, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the main thing stems from you know a couple things, right? Number one is when they started this application process and when they were supposed to award these licenses, you know, that was multiple years ago. That was back, you know, before the COVID era, right? And so everything got delayed multiple years, and so by the time you know people actually get these licenses. The whole market's changed, right? Yeah. So all your assumptions on what, how much money you're gonna make, right? All your assumptions on how much it was gonna cost to build your facility out, like you know, all your assumptions on how easy it would be to find investors, all that shit went to trash, you know. And so like that, that fucked up a lot of people, really. Like that's why you see that not that many people, you know, really being able to get over the threshold to become operational with a social equity license, right? And so you take that and you just compound it by. You know, this program, which, you know, like you could say they had the right, you know, thinking behind it to a degree. Right. But, you know, the reality is like you, you, you create a social equity program, you give a bunch of people, you know, that you know have lived in DIA areas or been arrested multiple times. And like, you know, you give them a piece of paper and you say, all right, go ahead and open a business. And without any type of financial support. You know, they they don't have no access to money to yeah. open the business. And so they just, like, get preyed upon until the point they just give up, you know? And, like, again, that's that's another issue we've been seeing. So, so for your application fee, was there, like, a, a, a fee fee? Like, how much was the fee? Um, like, it was, it, a, it was, well, like, that's the thing, yeah. So, I mean, when, when, we, when we went through the process, it was way different than the most recent process, right? So our fee was, like, 2500 Right, just to submit an application, and now the most recent one was, was five hundred, right? But like the real difference is, you know, we had to put together a multi-hundred page document of standard operating procedures dictating how we we're going to operate every single aspect of our business in this regulated environment that we've never even been exposed to. And in order to do that, you know, with all security plans, floor yeah. plans, and everything, like you needed that, you needed to come up with money to pay. Um, you know, just you know, different so, vendors, contractors, things like that to just do some of this shit that's like there's no way you would know how to do, right? Um, and so, you know, like that in itself is what costs a lot of money. You know, they, they with this most most recent round of license uh, applications, you know, they, they threw all that out the window. They just said, look, just, just check some boxes, you know, pay us $500 and we'll put your name in the lottery. You know, so like that, you know, like that, that was a lot easier like this, this time around. Like we wasn't worried about that though. We, we, we already roll them. So we didn't even apply for this most re- recent round. Oh, okay. So you all good now established because you guys got your little dispensary now, right? Mm-hmm. You guys, it's, it's more, it's more like, it's more like I, like as a company that's focused around like, uh, 
equity and inclusion and um, trying to help create a more uh, diverse ecosystem. Like, you know, we, we, we came out the gate with a vertically integrated set of licenses and we've been running and building on that already for years. And so with the most recent round of licenses, it's like we didn't apply not because we didn't want to or because we couldn't. It was more so just our commitment to helping other people get in the game. And so we, we held multiple workshops helping other people um, go through the process of learning and applying for licenses and even a couple of them won licenses, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so that's where our focus, you know, shifted to. Oh, just the community base of teaching people how to get the knowledge and what they got to do instead of like all these other people that failed and failed and didn't get told what to do because – they never experienced that kind of business before because this is the first of its kind, right? Opening yeah. it up, basically. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, exactly. The li- I was going to say, too, that, you know, the license itself, the license uh, fee wasn't yeah. that expensive. But what was expensive is if you didn't write your application on your own, which we did, you'd have to pay a consultant, an attorney, you know, many of which were gouging, you know, $50,000. So just to fucking write up a paperwork. Just to write up, gui- you know, provide some guidance, you know, uh, and I personally know a lot of people that did that and still didn't win a license, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was very competitive. So that's why I encourage you guys to open up a workshop to teach our, our people to just. Yeah, not. I think one, once we got rolling, then it was, you know, it's always been part of our, you know, the way we the way we move is just helping folks. And yeah. Providing, using our platform to help others. But I would say it made our situation a little bit easier, raising capital. It was still very difficult. Um, but we were lucky enough to win multiple licenses. So transportation, retail and cultivation. Um, and so from that standpoint, we leveraged those three licenses to go out you know, and it made more sense for investors to want to participate in a vertical, vertically integrated business as opposed to like a one-off yeah, yeah. license. So you got like three stages going of yep. cannabis community. So from th- their standpoint, it was, a you know, it mitigated some of the risks, right? Because if you have only a retail dispensary and you don't have a grow, you know, you're, you're essentially, um, your success is contingent on so many other factors, right? Whereas if you're vertically integrated, you yeah, can, yeah. you know, you can Especially provide, provide your own dispensary or multiple dispensaries product, you know, and, and not really have to, you know, you're somewhat incubated from the overall market to some degree. You're protected a little. So since you got your grower license, so you're able to grow your own bud, and then you got your transportation license, you transportation your own bud to your own dispensaries now, right? Yeah. And others, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, 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 that our first, now that our first dispensary is yeah. open, it's uh, yeah, it's been exciting to be able to like deliver product <laughs> to your dispensary. It yeah. Was like, yeah, we we took a picture of the of the first delivery van and was like, this is a big milestone, yeah, and a big accomplishment. It was pretty cool, actually. It was a be- it was a beautiful thing to see. Like to to your point, right? Something we've been working on for years. Yeah. With no guarantee that we were gonna ever be successful, and and, and in fact, like that again, the odds against us that we would ever be successful. Um, and then just, you know, again, after all these years of just grinding it out, not quitting, um, getting to the point where, yeah, we're able to see, you know, our own flower getting transported by our own transport vehicle to our own dispensary, right? And that was just recently. Did you guys take it the first ride together? Did you guys <laughs> no, to be honest, we've been so busy with everything. I mean, we, yeah, I, don't, I think that just one, that one slipped past us. Yeah, yeah. It was a more of a just a... Sh- Oh, wow, that happened today? Like, wow. Just to fucking think, like, four years ago, right? Five years ago for you guys to drink this shit up. And then that first load to fucking finally get delivered. And you guys is like, fucking wow. And it's still, you're still climbing the uphill battle, though, you know? So it's like, 
once you get your shops open, you, you know, your, your, your businesses stood up, you know, cannabis is a very egregious business financially. Right? Yeah. So the taxes are substantially higher than any other industry. There's all these other things. It's, there's no guarantee that just because you have a legal cannabis business or a license that you're going to make all this money. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. a lot of like fluff. It's, we've seen the opposite, not, not from a standpoint of making money, but like all of the contractors that you hire when they find out it's a cannabis related business, they want to charge you like two or three times more. Like, Oh, they must be rolling in the dough. You know, this, Real estate is more expensive. They try to try, you know, either if you're buying it, it's a higher price. If you're leasing it, it's a higher rent. You no know, shit. You know, you know, so it never stops. Never, never a dull moment. So that's their way of getting back to uh, people that want to run their own cannabis com- community business. Basically, yeah, the right? government wants their piece some way. <laughs> they you know? they, 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 everybody trying to make a buck off of it, you know? Yeah. So dealing with some of the up and downs of chasing this, man, I get to a point where you guys almost quit. Did it get to a point where we almost quit? That's an interesting <laughs> question. You know, I I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing, man. Like, uh, I've never gotten to the point where I ever thought I was gonna quit. Yeah. I never got to the point where I ever thought I wasn't gonna make it. However, I've had multiple points where uh, I've almost like been in situations that like completely just fucked us over and shut us down, and just it's just been being able to like. Figure it out, problem solve, like pivot, adapt. That's the only way that you can be successful in this fucking industry. Yeah, like for instance, the 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 flower ball the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Right, example, right, yeah. right. Everything right. was people fucking set up to go. People for, flying in from all over the country. I mean, it was a big deal. It was a big fucking deal, dude. It was it was amazing. I'm glad you guys got that off. But how how did you guys deal with that, man? Like. Bro, no, I don't think any other startup company would have been able to come back from that, like rebound. Like we put, we put a lot of money into that, right? Because, you know, that's that's what makes us different, right? Whether it's KVLs, like it's the high higher production value, right? Yeah. Like whatever we do, like we we always in the top tier. We do it the best, yeah. right? And so, you know, sometimes it takes more time, takes time, takes more money, takes more effort, right? And but at the end, you know, it's gonna pay off. And then in that situation. Nah, it didn't pay off. We were in a big hole right afterwards, right? So we had to figure out how to, you know, what to do from there, you know? And then dealing with all the vendors, everybody and all that shit afterwards, right? And money probably spent already too, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, to that <laughs> point, other a, lot things. Of people, a lot of people would have just thrown in the towel and be like, Yo, yeah. we're, not, we're not doing this again, you know? And uh, just like, let's find a way, you know? So what was the big issue, that, if you guys don't mind talking about the issue, why it didn't happen? So, so, you know, really, really, I mean, we, we try not to harp on this, but at the end of the day, we were developing such a buzz as a newcomer into the industry, and we didn't even had no product out or anything at that yeah. time. And, like, there was a current uh, operator in Illinois that, you know, basically, you know, called the city, tipped them off, and, and, and basically initiated us getting looked into, investigated, and shut down. And, and you know, without that tip... Like this shit would have went off just fine because that location, that venue, has has all types of events all the time, you know, that don't need a permit. Yeah. But it just so happened because they looked into it, like, yeah, the venue doesn't have a permit, so you guys can't do it, you know. And there's there's I've been to plenty of events, bro. They're pretty fucking big, and I'm just like, yo, is this shit just cool? You know what I'm saying? Like people just chilling, smoking weed, doing whatever they're doing. You know what I'm saying? But. I, and, and just to be shut down, I was just like, man, that's just crazy. Like, why did they shut it down? And you guys are, this is the night before, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, I mean, was it, was, it was some hater shit that, that got us shut down. But at the end of the day, again, 
Like within less than 24 hours, we still flipped it. We still turned around. We still did something for the people. And I think that shows the people a lot more about us than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the reason why we ended up losing so much was because we ended up refunding everybody their money. And then at the very last minute, pivoting, you know, our, our headliner act, you know, still performed. Shout out to Vic Mensa. He came through and performed at the promontory for us. And uh, we ended up just throwing that for free. And, and the people came through and gave support, too, man. It was, it was like late minute, last minute thing. It was just like, oh, shit, it was still a pack house. Everybody came through. So. Right, right. And then the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, with any any kind of minor setback, I always try and use that as a launching pad to something bigger, right? And so, you know, like coming out of that event that we still did anyways is is uh, a relationship that we kind of uh, progressed and moved forward with Boo Man, um, the, the, the artist, right? Yeah. And so... Like, that was the beginning of us really started fucking with him, and we started rocking with him even more. And so, you know, he's been, been in like, a real part of the team since then, and we've been, we've been doing some different things um, that we're excited about and still, you know, working on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. He's, he's your first official rapper, right, for yeah. 1937 group? Or the, yeah, the, basically the whole team, right? Yeah, 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 yeah we, we sponsored him, yo. So the, the Hill and Bus, too, I've seen the video in production on that, by the way. This, it looked fucking amazing. Like how you guys had it all set up. Tell me a little bit how that gets started for you guys. So, so how did the bus get started? I want to say that the bus got started. Like you know, it honestly, it's like this whole like this area you get into a manifestation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just put something out there. If you can think of, if you can think of it, like you can make it happen, mm -hmm. right? And so I think it really started with me, me and Alex just talking. I think he brought up the idea uh, of us getting a bus. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to do something, you know, kind of creating our own identity, you know. Yeah. And with that, you know, we had already kind of built a pretty good organic following locally. And, you know, we want to be known as like an Illinois cannabis group, right, yeah. and build a name for ourselves. And currently in the, in the United States, you know, a lot of the bigger brands are coming from the West Coast, yeah, right? yeah, from yeah. the cannabis side of a brand. And rightfully so, that's where the experience is, right, but... It's been there. It's been there for a minute, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, Ambrose and I have always been, like, real intentional about curating an identity that's different from other people and yeah, yeah. and uh, our own in-house brands that we're working on building. And so, yeah, I think, like, we were just talking one day about, like, different stuff that we could do, you know, to leverage it with all the other stuff that we've got going on with artists and art and fashion, you know, like the runway show and just... Yeah. creating a different kind of vibe and now we're in 140 stores too so we felt like by creating somewhat of a mobile bus we could leverage the branding thing yeah, yeah, yeah. take it Get to out different there. dispensaries yeah. you know pop up for um you know for the bud tenders the bud tenders support us pretty heavily so that's been an amazing thing um and we just thought about ways in which we could make that happen you know and then and then um you know ambrose you know wrote a grant for the foundation and he called me I think one day and was just like hey you know what if we could create like a the bus concept but we could use you know this as the foundation's mobile like work you know uh, office right like and, just try and and move yeah, all the way around but the thought is was was brilliant because you know having a brick and mortar location if you're serving the inner city communities that need you know the, the services yeah. a lot of them you know are barely getting by like they may not even be able to afford you know a bus ticket to get 
those services. And so if we could bring the bus with those services to the community, right, and then um, the cannabis side could sponsor the wrap and, like, you know, use it yeah, during yeah. different times for different events when, when it's not in use, right, like that would be a, a good way to kind of serve both purposes and do it very um, effectively, right? Yeah. And so, right. yeah, that's kind of how it, it got and started. Then, and then the other thing too is right, like everything that we we do, it's like we try to like put our own spin to it, right? Like we don't, we're not, we're not out here trying to just copy people and be like, oh, what's Cookies doing, or oh, like Sesh Bus, like yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. real popping. Let's get our own bus and just put 1937 on. It's like nah, like really the the. Our not-for-profit organization owns the bus, yeah. and the primary purpose is to go out and provide, you know, mental health services to the communities that need it. Yeah, you know, and it just so happens that you know we also could potentially use it for other things too, right? Yeah, while while in the process of serving the community, you know, and that's cool too because just like I seen the video, was that like are you guys gonna have setups like that too? Like when you go out there and set people up, or are you gonna have like a guest like every? place you go or is that your plan to like man i think to bring like more mental health <coughs> so where uh, it's like mentorships there in that community you know to help with more having these discussions about mental health yeah yeah so actually I, I, i'll tell you a little bit more about that right so so our, our not-for-profit organization is called the 1937 foundation right and as alex mentioned earlier i wrote a grant um for r3 funding um, which is money that comes from the tax dollars, right, spent, you know, on cannabis in Illinois, right, and a portion of it goes into this R3 fund uh, to help out, you know, the community, right, put back into the community. So I was like, man, let me go ahead and use, let me go ahead and write a grant, try and, try and do something to support our community um, engagement activities. And so, yeah, long story short, I want a, I want a grant um, really for three years for $800,000 each year. Um but and so and so that that pretty much provided like the launching point for us to start moving forward. Yeah. But like you know we're just in the starting phase right now. Like you know we haven't gotten our first check yet. With you know what I'm saying, but like that should happen. In the meantime though, we're, we're prepping everything. We're getting everything prepared. We are getting some events planned. Um, but then also when it comes to just our our, our primary activities, right? I talked about like wanting to get address. So the purpose is really to address people who've impact, been impacted by violence and have trauma associated with it, right? Yeah. Like, that's the number one premise of who it is that, you know, we're trying to help. And especially when you talk about black men, right, like, dealing with dealing with violence in their past, like, you know, like, they might have trauma, but they don't talk about it, you know. Yeah, 100%. About that shit. And in some cases, like, you talk positively about it. But the reality is also it manifests this way in different, like, negative coping mechanisms, right? Um, based off of you know certain life experiences and so and so yeah we 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 wanted to engage that that community and and really bring them into the fold and talk about and provide you know real like therapy right group yeah. therapy as a starting point for healing right and so as we kind of continue down this path and working backwards we're like all right well who's going to be the therapist so we start looking for therapists and it's like you know we're not finding anybody that looks like the people that we're trying to help you know, you're a black man living in the inner city. Yeah. You don't want to talk, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. White lady, like, therapist, right? Like, if this is your first time trying to deal with this. And so, you know, at the end of the day, what it, what it came down to is, like, we realized there are, there are there are a lack of certified therapists that are black men. Mm. You know, if you, if you take 10 people that are therapists, like, and you just do the math, like, mm. if you just look at one of them, right, in terms of the, 
like how many could be a you know, <coughs> black male therapist. It's like it's like one tenth of one person in that mix is <laughs> the current like you know support that that we have out there. So so like I guess my point is you know the the other activity that we we pivoted to and, and we're going to focus on is a drive um, an initiative to uh, to certify uh, twenty black men in uh, in therapy group therapy. Uh, specifically trauma coaching. Oh, that's so, pretty badass, bro. So, yeah, so when you talk about what we're going to be doing, like in the bus, right, it was like those types of things. Oh. And those guys are going to be traveling with you for, and then earn those 20 guys, That's is that your plan, like to bring those guys with you so they can connect to the community and give them more knowledge of? Uh, yeah, exactly. First, first of all, we have to train them. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and then we can deploy them, right, or they can deploy themselves, right, you know. And just step right into it's it. It's like that exponential impact. Yeah. So dealing with any of you guys had to deal with mental health on your own. Like, how did you guys get over it? Or how, how did you guys talk and open up about what you guys were going through mentally with somebody? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, you know, my dad was never in my life, you know. So I'm, my mom raised me and my two sisters as a single mom on welfare. So from, from an early age, I was... I was really just to myself, kind of, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say I really, like, I never went for the therapy. Back back when I was growing up, like, therapy wasn't really a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I feel like nowadays it's definitely something that people talk about, you know. But, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, outside of that, I've never been, you know, a a victim of any violence or gun gun violence, thankfully. But I think everybody has a little bit of their own kind of situation, you know. And they, they try to heal with it first within as much as possible that's how you kind of society like you know that's, trains a, you that's the thing about traumatic experiences though is like it's a lot more common than, yeah. than people really think like yeah. it really affects everybody you know it's just the reality is the same experience um can be kind of interpreted by two different people two different ways right and some some develop issues and trauma ptsd whatever it is and others don't yeah yeah so you Growing up in the neighborhood, was your neighborhood like and then like gang activities in the nineties too, or were? I mean, or you, you grew up in the culture we moved too. Around a lot, like yeah. early on, you know, we I had more financial trauma, like seeing my mom struggle and not pay, you know, the rent and yeah, yeah. get evicted and have to go to our cousin's house and like you know. So for that, for for me, I was always scared as I grew older of not having financial resources. So you know, I did what I could as early as possible to make sure that wasn't the case. You know, that's how I. I, I got started in cannabis, quite frankly, you know, when I was 14. I got out the house and just, you know, started selling weed and, yeah, yeah. you know, paying for my own shoes and clothes and... Becoming independent. Yeah, becoming independent, so... But I feel like that also shaped me as an entrepreneur because, like, you know, at an early age, there was there was no school. It was like, you got to <laughs> learn money, you got to learn how to Financial budget, education. you got to learn how to make money, you know, yeah. be proactive and make deals happen, like... You know, so there's certain positive things about that that I always like attribute my, you know, success in general of like entrepreneurism and like fucking learning business, man. Yeah, just handle handle money. I feel like that's that's always the case. You know, uh, you know, you try to do what you can you can do. You know, you guys, those environments. You guys grew up in the same neighborhood or friends, or you guys just nah, met, nah, met nah. each other through like mutual friends recently. Yeah, no, nah, we no nah, we nah he. Grew up in Southern California. I, oh, okay. I grew, I, grew up Northern, I grew up in Northern California, but then I, yeah. You moved out of here to Chicago. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for me though, like man, like going back, my background, man. 
know, like, yeah, I've been I've been exposed to a lot of violence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In a lot of different ways and forms and fashions. And were you raised you know, in the culture too, in the gang culture and all that too, or you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't like talked about that stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah. I, you know, just it was all like family, you know, all all around. Yeah, my family too. Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, like, but yeah, I mean, like I, I I personally never really got you know too much involved with that, right? So, but regardless, I mean, like for me, probably getting shot multiple times like that was the most dramatic active like activity or something that happened to me right how old were you it was tough it was, i was 20. okay I was 20, yeah. how many times did you get shot three three times yeah, yeah. where so, at? my ankle my arm and then right here in my shoulder i still got i still got a bullet right here behind my collarbone the one that fucked me up the most was my the one that fucked me up the most was actually my ankle because it shattered uh, my ankle and my ankle shattered the bullet Right, and so like it was like yeah, it was a, it was a fucking pain to get through. But Every time that we're walking around, it's funny. I, I got a funny story. So we'll be walking like, and I'm always in a rush, and I'll have to. For, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be reminded because I'll look back, and Ambrose will be like ten feet behind me, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot his, you know, his foot because it starts to hurt after a while. And yeah, but but you know, I guess my point is this: like, you know, I I ten years maybe probably took probably ten fifteen years before I, I was really mentally over that shit. You know, and so I look back on on that time, right, and everything that transpired, and I'm like, man, like it would, it probably would have helped me a lot, you know what I'm saying, if I had some counseling or some shit, you know what I'm saying, back then. So that's, yeah. that was my real purpose for like you starting the organization. Yeah, man, uh, I fucking had to jump from a three story building to get out of situations, and I'm, I'm grateful. I just broke my collarbone, fractured three of my ribs. I also collapsed my lungs, but. It could I could have thirty feet, bro. It could have right. been like worse. My my could have broke my spine and then broke my hips, right. my pelvis bone, something. That I went to the chiropractor recently, man. Just going through that, and just like uh, coming back and had to tell my kids that shit, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they were they were still young, and it's just being like in a situation where I shouldn't have been. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you're lucky you walking. Yeah, right? yeah, for real. I'm lucky to be even fucking walk you guys in this motherfucker. You know. And uh, just going through that as mental health too, man. Just like not having really, my dad wasn't. I didn't have my dad till I was like fourteen to like nineteen. But at that point, I never really allowed him to be a dad either, though. Type because he wasn't there the whole time. You know, going through those nine to twelve, thirteen. That's when you need him the most. Yeah, right? and you're like, trying to you know. got questions that can't get answered. And, you know, but I still observed him being a man that he was. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it wasn't for that, like I picked up a lot of his tendencies just from watching him. And he, he was a good dude, you know what I'm saying? So, for the most part, I, I think it, it, it conflicts to the man I am today and shit, like how I stand. Because I used to be an introvert, man, my self-esteem. I might not look it, though, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I was, like, low-key, just chill, like, to myself, kind of shy and shit, you know what I'm saying? This shit opened me up more because I could just talk to more more people like me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, right, right. Ask and, and talk about situations that I go through but you guys can relate to situations. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's like experience. We'll never know what it's like to get shot and fight for our life, bro. You know what I'm saying? Until we get shot three times and then we understand what the hell emotionally you go through. So that's why it's harder for people to relate or don't listen to your story because motherfuckers don't understand what they've been, like that shit means. You know what I'm saying? And getting shot at, it's fucking getting traumatized. I got shot at plenty of fucking times. Just right, right. being in the neighborhood, you know? I'm grateful I never just got shot before. Yeah. You know? So, I got, so. Go ahead. No, no. Go but ahead. I did get stabbed right here in my neck with a fucking beer bottle. Yeah, that's, and it's like that's a tough. Qu- quarter inch away from uh, my jugular, 
Yeah, man. <laughs> beer bottles, man, that's crazy. You know? yeah. Like, I never realized back in the day, like, you know, if you if you ever did get in a fight with a beer bottle, like, you get charged fucking, like, yeah. murder and shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I was 19 in a bar, so it was crazy because after I got stabbed, I didn't realize it. I was walking out. I get up. My sister starts screaming because we're in a bar, and she's a season. I look in the mirror, and I can see all just blood oh, right yeah. here. And I, I just walk out. And the cops were outside as soon as they are like, yo, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. They're fighting in there. But this side was all clean. And this side was, this fucking was all bloody. And he just walks right past me and go that way. And I just hit the alley and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, but that, you know, but now, now you can see like why, you know, as more and more people like learn about what it is we're doing. Yeah. In space, like there's a lot of like people that are like, yo, I want to fuck with you. Like, hey, I want to support you. Like, you know, it's resonating with a lot of people. Yeah. That's good too, man. That's uh, that's why I started the podcast too, just to bring more people like you guys to tell you guys a story. Because you know I'm saying everybody goes through shit, especially entrepreneurs, man. You know, <laughs> like going through it. I've been doing it for 13 years too, and it's just like by myself, just learning new crafts, new new shit. People who you could trust, who you can't trust, you know. And it just sucks that we got to have those boundaries with people because motherfuckers weren't raised to be you know loyalty and not in this day and age anymore. You know, yeah. You gotta, yeah. You don't know who you're going to meet, come across, or, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, and, and then being in a cannabis community, I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys dealt with your fair share of people who you had your doubts about. <laughs> like, yo, you got to watch that guy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I, I was thinking about the other day, right? Like, like you know, I've been working on this for five years, but really this is like the real first real company, like, I've really led, right? Yeah. And so, like, even just like a year ago, you know, we had, like, the same six, seven people, and that's it, right, in, in the organization. And then I, l- I was counting the other day between all of our all of our companies, the number is, like, 78 employees. <laughs> so yeah. how is that, man? Like <laughs> being we got to do a celebration at 100. I was thinking about <laughs> recently. Was yeah. crazy. I knew it was just, like, in the 60s or 70s. but uh, That's fire, though. How do you guys feel about that, though, man? Like, to be able to have, like, 70 team members helping you your dream grow it's it's i mean yeah for me it's 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 great to see like now there's different silos of the business and there's more support you know even though we you know there's a lot of work that everybody does right but uh it's good to have some of that spread out a little bit now yeah, yeah. for me for me it's, it was part of the plan right so it's just like <laughs> you know, everything's going the right direction yeah you know we you know within a year from now you know that number should be Right, so you know that that the ability, obviously, to create a workforce and provide jobs and opportunities and development and coaching, like to lots of different people in different areas, like that's the benefit of being able to run an organization like this. So, how do, how are the challenges of you learn like leading the organization, such as it's going now? Like the challenges for you? Yeah, I think I think the I don't know. I, I'd say the main the main. The main characteristic that, that I think is unique is like you always have to see the light at the end of the tunnel and be able to like, you know, communicate that to people. Even if the light, right, like <laughs> really it's like if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, like a low probability of all of them happening, like like you have to have that constant mentality, like that's what we got to do regardless. Like, you know what I'm saying? doesn't matter how, but that's what we got to get to. Yeah. Gotta be optimistic at all times. <laughs> keep it, keep your mind open, huh? Yeah. 
and uh, for your products that you guys offer too, you got Bloom going, right? Yeah. So we got a uh, Bloom, which is our vape <clears throat> brand. Uh, we got our disposable surf pod that's out in the market right now. It's you know one of our more successful products. Yeah. Um, it's in 140 stores out of about 165 right now. So we're in we're in most stores. Um, we've got Lobo, which is our our blunts, our, our premium pre rolls. We sell a seven pack of half gram non-infused pre-rolls and then uh, we've got um, our blunts which is a one gram hemp wrap glass tip blunt and a two gram presidente the same way and then uh, old pal which is like our value cannabis brand we've got a brownie bake at home brownie box coming out soon Um, we've got a two pack of pre-rolls with old pal and a ready to roll like a roll your own cigarette pouch comes with papers it's a pretty cool product um, what do you mean, roll your own cigarette pouch? Yeah, gonna have like, like a, like a special, like the little um, tobacco like ones. Ground flour, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, ground flour is kind of like tobacco pouches. Like and you got the papers right there, and you can roll your own. Cigarettes. Oh, just like just like just like a hold it, go. like you a know, pouch. Yeah, like a pouch. Yeah. Of weed. I thought I was gonna be able to roll your own papers. joint, like in the like oh, pouch. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> it comes with papers. You gotta roll it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's already part. ground and everything, but uh, and then um, we've got uh, some infused sriracha, some infused. Sriracha. Out. No shit. Yep. Um, we just did a uh, partnership and a release uh, with Cannabella Lux. So it's a Tiffany Woodman. She's a, you know, someone in the cannabis space that's had an accessory business and a brand and wanted to launch some cannabis products. And so we partnered with her and we just did a rollout of some mood based cannabis premium, you know, mostly focused on terpene. And um, we've got a rose cone coming out with her. But yeah, we got a lot of stuff in the works. Yeah, yeah, multiple kind of in-house brands that we're working on, and uh, my target is between sixty, next sixty to ninety days, you're gonna see them. You know, you're gonna see them out on shelves. One, one product out of each, like three new brands. So coming over, like uh, your design for your Bloom Surf, what and uh, the design and the technology for that, what, 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 what went all in that? Can you speak? What went all into that, man? So. Two years of, of uh, trial and error through the uh, creating the surf pod. So the surf pod is one of the most um, popular devices right now. It's shaped like a surfboard. It's a disposable. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a very hot product. It's got a lot of different features. Um, it's got a tinted mouthpiece. So if you, you know, lay it, if, if, you, if you leave your vape out um, and the sunlight hits it, it won't degrade the oil. So um, it's that, shit, tr- that shit happens. Yeah, like the regular five ten <laughs> like, cartridges. Like it, like it, 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 it starts oxidizing oh. and it degrades the oil if it, from so, the power of the yeah, sunlight. So that's why Bloom's, you know, the, the mouthpiece is tinted. It's it's intentionally tinted for that reason, so it deflects the sunlight. Oh, um, it's got a triple air intake, so you taste more of the terpenes. You get a lot bigger, kind of more milky hit. Um, you don't have to charge it, so it's just completely disposable. You just use it when you're finished. You throw it out. What else? Yeah, it's sleek. It's nice. A lot of people like it. Yeah. It's affordable. Got both classic and live, um, you know, strain categories, right? Yep, yep. Our Maui Wowie and our Pineapple Express are the two most popular strains um, that we carry. And then on the live side, it's a live cannabis-derived terpene. So those strains always change seasonally, you know, every three to four months. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, we always keep a nice thick lineup. Bloom's doing really well. What are some of the live strains we got right now in, in stores? 
Banana split cereal milk. That one just came out. That one's crazy <laughs> fire. It tastes just like cereal milk. It's crazy. Um, Flour? Or the vape? Yeah. Um, blueberry, blueberry Gushers and uh, Alien Jack, uh, our sativa. Nice. That was this, 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 uh, the more recent round. Yeah. yeah. Over, over at our dispensary in Tilton, do we have uh, Green Crack? Yeah, we have, yeah, we've got some special editions uh, down in Tilton, our dispensary. We usually keep a few exclusives down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so we got London Pound Cake and we've got, we've got uh, Green Crack. Damn. So how um, the menu menu's getting thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that dispensary is going crazy too, man. So it's it's a unique spot. Did you did you go to our grand opening? No, I didn't get to. I had a gig that day. Damn, you missed. Yeah, that, yeah, man. man. I, I fucking bro, like I miss out on a lot of events, bro, because of the photography gig. Like it's, I'll be so busy, bro. Like the Saturday Sundays is with the podcast now, so I got to squeeze them shits in after and after the podcast. Sometimes I have gigs. Like tomorrow, I got a gig. And then I got a peer space booking tonight after you guys. So it's like, it's okay. always moving, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, and it, be on the move. Plus with the five kids, too. You guys got kids, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We both got, ki- both got kids. Uh, I got uh, two boys, three and a half and like one and a half. Yeah, I've got. Oh, I've they're got, a handful right now, right? Uh, they're fun, man. I love this shit. <laughs> yeah, my, I've got a son that's two and my daughter's just turned nine. Oh, shit. So I got three at home that's like three, uh, four, three, and two, right now. three girls. And they're like, oh, <laughs> yesterday, last night, man, I brought home some Nerf Nerf bullets, and we had a Nerf gun already. So they were just fucking, if I would have never showed them this, they would have never been up an extra hour and a half because they just wanted to shoot it over and over and over oh, again. And they all wanted to take turns. So I, <laughs> so I had to sit there and fucking take turns with them, man. So like balancing the time with uh, which everything you guys got going on, man, how do you guys do that? With family times and running businesses, it's a work in progress for sure. <laughs> it's always a work in progress. I mean, I think we both do pretty good. I know I, I see Alex doing different things, and he's still, you know, taking kids on the family on vacations periodically, which is good time to get away. Yeah. Um, like you know, me myself, I got this kind of ritual every day. Uh, I drive my, my 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 wife and my kids. I drop her off at work and drop them off at daycare, and then at the same time, her dad pick them up. You know, and then I just revolve like my my work life revolves around that. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. Because yeah, doing all the traveling and everything that I did as a photographer is just like, and then plus the uh, the first two, my my baby mama was being tough. You know, giving me access to them all the time. So, mm-hmm. and then boyfriends got involved, so it got even tougher. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you guys all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. uh so this time around, so I just try to spend as much time with my, my daughters now, you know, at home. So, like, I try to not to do as much work, but it tends yeah. to be still much work. Yeah. for uh, Especially everything we added in, man. So before you started this business, did you have any other business before running experiences? Nah, nah. Honestly, I just, I really just focused, like, really for, like, 10, 15 years on trying to train myself to be able to do this. Okay. You know, um... Yeah, I worked in, in healthcare, right? I went to UIC. I uh, went to worked, worked in healthcare, and I, I, you know, from the very beginning when I when I got in the workforce, I was like reporting to the CEO, and so you know, I just learned a lot of things along the way, and then and then I, I went into a specific specialty around operational excellence, and I did that for like five seven years, and so like I got a, I got a real good foundation, I think, you know, that to to build on. Yeah. What about you, bro? 
So me, I've always been an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. I, I came to Illinois. Actually, I was investing in the real estate, uh, real estate down in the south side of Chicago. You know, uh, mostly focusing on like low income housing. But uh, you know, I've always been in cannabis. You know, since uh, early age. You know, and um, had some success in in the California market early on. You know, we. Uh, my group had in, invented the uh, plastic pop-top bottle, the child-resistant bottle, like the, the joint tube that you see today. It's nope. the, the, the pop-top bottle. You know, like squeeze. the plastic. You know, oh, like, no like shit. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we were, we were real early in, in cannabis and all facets of, you know, from retail early on to, you know, that was the first company we took public, and that was in 2015. And then um, invested in some cannabis brands, you know, built a little real estate portfolio. So you just moved up here to do real estate. You were planned on like uh, jumping in the cannabis community or cannabis game. I wasn't, you know, I was always, even though I was here, I was yeah, I've yeah. always still, you know, kept a place in, in California and, you know, have business, you know, investments there. And so I was always invested in cannabis, not, yeah, yeah. not as much as an operator. Cause I, I grew up an operator for many, many, many years. And then I, then I started turning, you know, turning it into real estate. And, uh, yeah, and then once we took Kush public, then we had done, you know, more investing into brands. And then I was investing in real estate only. That was the, I had nothing cannabis related here in Illinois. Oh, okay. And then 2018, I was here doing real estate. And that's when, you know, Governor Pritzker said uh, that, you know, they had passed uh, or he had, you know, sent, set out the application for Merit. direct adult use licenses. And that's where me and Ambrose linked up. We met through a, a mutual contact and then apply for some licenses we won and then came up with a a pretty big plan yeah, yeah. to leverage all different areas of people's expertise you know ambrose obviously you know kind of leading the organization and highly skilled in, in operational excellence and structure and you know me i'm more of you know build 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 create you know move yeah. fast and you know, for me, I'm not quite as organized and structured as him, so it's, a, it's it's always, you know, we work really good in counterbalance, I think, in our skill sets, and the rest is history, you know, we came up with a, a pretty big plan, and then we've just been, honestly, just focusing on, like, little wins, and then you just compound the little wins, and then you get to the final goal, that's that's the plan, you know, so yeah. that's kind of been so, a little journey. So, when you guys started the, the fashion bringing that into integrating to the cannabis community and that, that was like something new too man that shit was pretty dope i never even seen nothing like that before that, that was intentional i'll tell you i'll tell you where the idea came from <laughs> right like you know back back a few years ago i was i was just looking at the the, uh, the landscape here in illinois i'm like man like you know california's got all these cool like you know annual uh, festivals things like different things right like and so i looked to like hall of flowers right yeah and I was like, man, how come we don't got, you know, anything like that, like in Chicago, that like really represents the people, right? And um, and so I was like, man, I should just make something, right? And so, you know, I, I kind of came up, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to copy, right? Like, I don't copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, you know, they're, they're, I think their festival is like more B2B, like where I was like, I'm going to make uh, an expo instead that is geared towards um, highlighting brands. And specifically in Illinois, trying to like give all of the craft growers and new operators and infusers a chance to like get their brands out there to the public. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. That was that was the focus, and I was like, well, I don't want to just do a, an expo because like anybody can do that. 
You know what I'm saying? I want to make it, I want to switch it up and try and create an environment where people come more dressed up and we do a fashion show right at, right afterwards. Right. And so, you know, that, that, that's pretty much where, the, where how we got into fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, it was the, the, the venue, uh, site studios, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sin City. Sin City. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty good. It was nice mapped out with the stage and everything. You got all the vendors. The bus was there. Which is cool as hell, big ass bus. <laughs> we had just got the bus finished like two or three days before that. So no shit. Time, yeah. I seen the video when you guys got it, but and then you guys got it all wrapped up and everything fixed up. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was pretty dope. All Man, well production. Dope as fuck, bro. Like, and the production was done uh, really well, yo. And yeah, the whole uh, storyline too. We talked about you getting shot too uh, in the video. Yeah, that was a good production. Yeah, man. I really liked that video. And then. Uh, who was the, the fashion people that you had there? The designers, you remember? So I don't know. hippie. Uh, so October kicked it off. Yeah. And that, that motherfucker was dope. That was his first time doing a fashion show. Man, he killed it. Yeah, that was great. Man, like it, it was a lit ass because I seen the retake on the the the, the video, the recap. Yeah, yeah. We had another designer called Hippie Huge. Um, we had Obiyama who closed it out. Uh, I think I'm missing. Who am I missing? Yeah, there's one other one. Uh, Don't hold it against me. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that's the other thing, too, is like that. We have that's why we have a team. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Cause, I know. Because I can't <laughs> do everything. You know? That's why I said I didn't mean to put you on the spot right now. But, but man, it's a, it, was, it was a cool thing to see. Watch the whole thing come come together finally, too, after, you know, last year that it didn't happen. And then the following year, it finally happened. It was cool. It was real cool to see for you guys to uh, finally, Finally, get your dream to happen, you know. There's, uh, one there's the, a lot of one, love. There's yeah, a yeah. lot of love out there for sure. There's a lot of people that showed up too, man. It was a lot of it was it was a good time, bro. It was, it was a lot of people. It was safe, you know. Nobody got hurt. Yeah, and it was it was, it was cool as hell. It was literally right down the street from here. It was like 15 minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> so pull it up, man. Kush League, how's that? What's that about? Yeah. So as Ambrose mentioned, we got some plans to release some some of our brands that we've been working on that yeah. are curated by us you know, for us here in Chicago. And so Kush League is meant to be like a sports-themed brand that's mo- more focused on an, an active, you know, lifestyle and balance of cannabis. And, you know, uh, I was a former athlete. I played hoop for like 20 years, but, you know, through college. And I always consumed cannabis. And there was always this guilty, like, <laughs> at the time, such a stigma about, like, yeah. smoking. You'd get drug tested. And, you know, um, you couldn't, you couldn't, use cannabis and perform right and then now you're hearing completely the different all the stories are coming out that's false and you know and so like for me I, I wanted to build a brand that was like really athletic kind of facing and kind of rival like a nike you know more of that kind of vibe okay so we've got um you know we've got some products on the way you know so you're gonna let, start me, let me let me just sum it up they call it the nike of cannabis <laughs> so you're gonna be like the next big three too man you're gonna start a little basketball league dog at, at kush league well, I, i've been i've been you know i've been approached by some uh, <laughs> some people to do something you know a lot of people you know are vibing with the brand yeah, we've, been yeah. working on, we've been working on it for like two years you know but uh yeah we got we've got some good concepts I'll, I'll share one with you that i'm 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 excited about is we're gonna do a special like breeders uh collab and then do do the, the flower the eighth jars in a mini nike like a shoe box that has this tissue paper oh no shit uh, yeah that's pretty fun it'll be a double little collab that we'll do with different breeders you know focusing on their specific strains notable strains so are are you guys a strain 
your own? Like, or do you uh, use clones and, such, and sorts for your brand, for your brands? For your, uh, yeah, we've been working on a menu. So for the last couple of years, our, our growers, you know, have, have built a nice little library of genetics that we're excited about. So what, what does it go for that? Like, what are the time that goes into building a new strain for yourself or an organic strain or it's genetics? It's a process, man. Like, <laughs> you got you to gotta do a lot of breeding. And the thing, that, the thing is, you know, cannabis is just different, right, in terms of the, the time where you can see results from something you're trying out. So, you know, the normal process from the time you flower a plant until you harvest a plant is, is three months, including the cure time. So... If you want to make adjustments, then you got to wait another three months to, to try <laughs> that, right? So if you're crossing genetics and, you know, you've got seeds from that, then you've got to grow the seeds. You know, if you're growing from seeds, that's probably four months, you know, um, to germinate the seed and then veg it and then flower it. So, yeah, it's a process. I mean, if you're really a breeder, like, yeah. that's why there's, you know, low-key in the cannabis industry, there's there's some celebrity breeders because... They're the ones, the few that have taken the time and the patience to build, you know, a nice library of genetics and go through that process because it, it's not a very, you don't make a lot of money if you have, you have a lot of duds, you know, throughout that process that, you know, you have to sell for less money or they don't yield as much, you know, so, um, yeah. But when you get a nice library, then, you're, you know, you're basically taking the best of the best. So, so cross genetics, you mean like you're like mating two plants basically almost? Yeah and a female plant so you'll take some like afghan kush or something like that og and put it together and they'll create some afghan og yeah. <laughs> no shit yeah. damn i didn't know it gets all like that scientific man. I just, I just like smoking weed it's like there's a male plant a female plant the male plant has pollen and then you collect the pollen and then you you know sprinkle the pollen on the and then you gotta wait four months plant. to see if that even produces a seed or anything like that or? Yeah, probably about three months or you know two two months for, yeah, two months. And then, and then what's the process of of that fucking up? Like what? what? Well, I it, mean, you're just you're just hoping that whatever your genetics are, are strong to begin with, right? Like the original strains, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that they're strong. They don't have. You know, and now they're talking viruses. about terpenes. What are terpenes? You guys know more about that? Yeah, you know. Ter Terpenes. 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 Terpenes, right? Like, actually, so that relates to another brand that we're launching called Terp Kings, right? And and so, like, the idea behind that brand is to really focus around, like, flour um, that has either a high terpene percentage, right, or a unique terpene profile. And, and really start to kind of shift the narrative around well, how do you define quality wheat, right? You're not just using the THC percentage and saying, like, that's what the finds the value right and so and then lastly trying to do it in like a fun unique way in terms of like like the marketing and execution so yeah so what are the terpenes so terpenes are is it just it's just a uh, a chemical a chemical within the plant right and it's similar to like uh just a molecule like thc right and there's different combinations of them that create like different scents and different feelings and things like that you know Oh, as far as like the mood of it, it will put you in a state, it'll put you in? Yeah. So like the higher temp terpenes will put you in a, what, a sleepier state or happier state or it depends? It depends on what, on what terpene, right? Like that's the different aroma. That yeah, like piney. So, oh, piney some, is a terpene that like. Like an OG strain is real piney-ish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have more fruity, like blue, like, like blue dream. Is so that, that scent or that aroma basically is the terpene basically you're getting. 
I yeah, guess more, it's more dominant. Like the more pronounced the terpene is, the more dominant it, it is. And there's different type of ter- types of terpenes. Oh shit. No, I, I don't. I never really did know. Like, bro, I just smoke weed, bro. Like, yeah, I never yeah. really looked into the terpenes and shit like that either. Like, I never really looked into it's, it's just I know there's strands. Right? Yeah, and I just never really looked into it. And, like, it's a common misconception about cushion coffee, right? Like, people think you're going to come on here and talk about, like, coffee and shit and cushion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're reviewing this shit, but it's really based on the conversation, bro. We're, we're, we might enjoy some cushion coffee while it's on the show, but as far as, like, really knowing the knowledge about it, I really. Yeah, you, you really didn't offer us any coffee. Bro. Yeah, no, it was the it last was, time we came here. Uh, well, the big Dunkin' Donuts. Remember? Yeah, I'm already fucking wired because I had one this morning. So I was like, man, I don't know if these guys are gonna drink some afternoon. I know you're out last night. <laughs> uh, seeing you taking a little partake in the the wine, right? You had a little cup of wine. Uh, sangria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know I should have got some coffee. I apologize though, man. But I uh, appreciate you guys coming through, man. Uh, rocking with me again, man, for the. This time, I promise it's coming out, man. <laughs> uh, anything you guys want to talk about before we get out of here, man? What you guys got coming up? Any kind of events? Uh, future plans for 2024? Man, it sounds like I should have something to say with all that. <laughs> I mean, we're opening six more dispensaries. So We just opened our first one. It's called Parkway Dispensary. It's down in Tilton, Illinois. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at, at Parkway Dispensary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Next to Parkway Dispensary, we got a little consumption lounge, um, restaurant and bar, event event space, indoor and outdoor. Um, it's pretty dope. Called Molly's Joint, right? So that's that's also right there, right next to Parkway Dispensary. Um, so you can follow them at Molly's Joint. You know, at the end of the day, right, we represent the 1937 group, so you can obviously look us up, whether it's on, you know, on Google or, you know, on IG at the 1937 group. Thank you for coming through again, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is Bray from Boo Man Forever. Much love, man. We out. This is Cushion Coffee Podcast with Ambrose and Alex, man, from the 1937 group. Make sure you tap in on IG. Mm.